Before I had kids, I used to zip in and out of the supermarket. The quicker, the better. I had places to be and people to see. After kids, it was me time. So I used to stroll about the aisles very slowly. And it was so nice to have a conversation with an actual adult at the checkouts. Those little snippets of chat can really help you feel human again if you're going through a lonely time. There are a lot more self-checkouts these days, so a lot of us do our supermarket shops without saying a word to anyone. One supermarket chain in the Netherlands has introduced so-called slow or chatty checkouts, and they're specifically there to help combat loneliness. They're proving very popular. What might happen if we tried that here? We'll look at this from a few different angles on Life Matters today. First up, Dr Louise Grimmer is a senior lecturer in retail marketing, and she's been looking at the impact these chatty checkouts are having. Louise, welcome back to Life Matters. Oh, thanks so much for having me on again, Hilary. It's a pleasure. How do these chatty checkouts work without slowing down all the other people who are in a hurry? (laughs) I know it's a bit of a polarising topic. I've had some people say to me, oh, I would never go in that checkout. And I've I've sort of said back, well, you don't have to. They're not designed for you. Um, They're a single checkout in this um, supermarket chain. So the chain is called Yumbo. It's the second largest supermarket chain in Holland. And they introduced this slow, chatty checkout. It's called a Kletkasa about four years ago. And what they did was just trialled it around 20 stores. So they'd have one checkout and it was very clearly marked. So for people who are in a hurry and don't want to talk to anyone, it's not for you. (laughs) Um, But what they found was that they had thought that older people were going to be um, the kinds of shoppers that would want to come through this slow chatty checkout where you're not in a hurry and you can really have a lovely conversation with the checkout operator. But what they found was all kinds of people wanted to come through this slow and chatty checkout. It wasn't just older shoppers. And it became so um, popular because it was very loved by the people who worked on the other side of the of the checkout, the checkout operators, that they've now rolled uh, the chatty checkout, the Klet Casa, into about 200 of their stores around Holland. Does and it... I just thought this was a great, you know, very different idea when we think about corporations and supermarkets and things, isn't it? Well, it is. And there's a couple of things that stand out for me just from what you've said now, Louise. Do the groups using the checkout correlate with the groups we see in Australia who are experiencing the highest levels of loneliness? Because there are particular demographics, aren't there, that are suffering most? Yes. And and it's not the people we sometimes tend to think of. So just as in the, in the Dutch example where they had assumed it was going to all be older people coming through the slow checkout, what they found was it was actually all kinds of people. And I think that does sort of correlate a little bit because I think in Australia we're finding it's actually younger people who are often reporting higher rates of loneliness Um, and so this was you know a really great finding I think it because it it opened up this whole topic and and the reason that Yumbo started this initiative was that the Dutch government had recognised that loneliness was a huge problem um, in their country but also in you know places around the world and what they wanted to do was instead of sort of imposing top-down initiatives on the population they wanted to work with um, local governments and you know community organizations and corporations to get them to try and come up with solutions and so Yumbo being a family-owned supermarket they could sort of do what they like really you know they're not beholden to shareholders and things and so they thought they would um, have this initiative but 
the, the really important thing, I think, for me too, was the fact that the staff who worked on the checkout really, really loved this. And well, that is interesting ever... too. That's the other thing because I yeah. did wonder how much training they got and whether they were at risk of becoming a kind of de facto counsellor in Social some situations. Worker, yeah. yeah. Well, well, they did. Apparently, they did get um, some training in recognising the signs of loneliness. Um, but if you've ever worked in retail as a checkout operator or someone on the floor, it is actually quite a lonely, difficult job at times. You know, customers can be rude; they're in a hurry. Sometimes they don't even treat you like you're a, you know, a human being. And so they found that this was not only good for the community or their customers, but it was also really good for their staff. So I just thought this was such a, a great thing to. Think think about that I wrote this up for the conversation and sort of put a challenge out to our big supermarkets. You know, come on, guys, you're a multi-billion dollar corporation. You could try something like this. It might might be a real differentiator for you. Well, and we have, yeah, as you say, we have this duopoly <laughs> and they're constantly looking for points of difference. But is the business yeah. model sound, Louise? I mean, that is what those corporations are yeah. going to be looking at. Does it make yeah. business sense to slow well, down the checkouts and get people chatting more? Yeah, well, that's what everyone's been saying. Oh, come on, everyone's in a hurry. Nobody wants to... um you know, chat to people. Well, they do. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, we've lost a lot of um, these opportunities for what I call serendipitous conversation, which is what you were talking about in your um, opening, you know, where you would just go to the shop because you wanted to to talk to somebody. And we've lost a lot of these um, kinds of places to do that. You know, we used to have corner stores everywhere. A lot of those have closed down. And, um, and I think you could just trial this. You don't have to roll it out in all your supermarkets. You could trial it in a couple of stores and you wouldn't have to have it on all day. Maybe you could trial it for a couple of hours in the middle of the day and see how it goes. It's been a huge success in Holland and I know there are other countries that um, have similar, but I've I've spoken to lots of people about this and some obviously say, I just want to go through self-serve, I just want to get out of there. But other people have said, oh, this would be really nice. You know, for some people going to the supermarket, it might be their only outing for the whole week. Mm. So imagine if you could have this little, you know, five minutes of kindness and, okay, it's going to slow down. Um, you know, a few shoppers going through. You're not going to have as many people going through. But there are times in supermarkets where it's quite quiet and um, and I think this would be a really great initiative to to trial and see how it goes. I mean, you can totally see the benefits, but I guess it raises a bigger question of whose job it is to help us tackle issues like loneliness. Is it not the government's job rather than a retail business? I think it's everyone's job. <laughs> um, and obviously, I'm a, I'm a retail researcher. So my, my area is um, small local stores because they do play this sort of role. You know, you have much more human interaction. People like going into stores where people know their name. They might know their order. You know, people go in and say, I'll have the usual Tony or whatever in the cafe. That People love that sort of interaction. Now, not everybody when you're going to the supermarket, I certainly recognise that, but I think it's everyone's responsibility to make sure that we don't feel lonely and we don't have social isolation. A social isolation. Social isolation. Sorry, I'm in person. It's it's a different time zone here. I'm still in my pajamas. Um, oh, love but, it. But um, yeah. But um, I, I really do think anything that any of us can do to reduce loneliness is super important. Really important work. So. 
I'm putting the call out there. <laughs> Lots of people texting in in response, Dr Louise Grimmer. It's already happening. My elderly, elderly dad in his 90s is on first name basis at his local supermarket. Yes, And Margaret, <laughs> Margaret adds in, during COVID, I started asking retail staff, are the customers behaving themselves and saying, thank you for working for us? For, that's from Margaret. Just little little conversational openers. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, we've been speaking with Dr Louise Grimmer, who is a senior lecturer in retail marketing, and uh, she's been looking at the impact these chatty checkouts are having. I'd like to bring in to Dr. Michelle Lim. She's the Scientific Chair of Ending Loneliness Together. Michelle, welcome. Thanks for having me, Helen. What do we know about the ways in which loneliness is affecting Australians? Because we were hearing from Louise before how it's sometimes not the people we might think, it's younger people as well. Mm-hmm. Well, in our most recent uh, State of the Nation report uh, that was just launched about a month ago, we did find that almost one in three Australians report loneliness and about one in six uh, Australians report what we call severe levels of loneliness. And as um, Dr. Grimm was saying, actually, it's across the lifespan. This is not an issue that is constrained to older or younger people. Um, we do find higher rates uh, in younger people um, more generally, but it's fairly equivalent across the lifespan. Um, and not not ages in which we would expect, you know, the 45 to 54 are very much um, uh, equally affected by loneliness um, mm. than the 8 to 24. Michelle, yes. do we do we know how much of that is about the structures in people's lives? For example, perhaps geographical isolation or caring responsibilities or just busy with work. And how much is about us getting out of the habit of meeting and talking? So, you know, we text instead of talking on the phone or we do a group chat instead of a trip to the local pub or cafe. What's going on? That's a good question. I think really it's a multitude of different types of factors. You know, for example, we do know that people living kind of more rural, remote um, areas of Australia are reporting high levels of loneliness or people who live alone, for example. But at the same time, you know, there are other kind of factors that we looked at, things like poor health, you know, chronic having chronic disease or, you know, uh, having poor mental health, those sorts of things also actually contribute to our levels of loneliness. I think what we really need to think about is a much more holistic understanding and, and really, um, you know, there's no one one size fits all solution. This is something that is a bit of a wicked problem. It's a it's a, a very common, highly prevalent problem, but it's also not very easy to resolve. It is something that we do feel naturally, but what we really want to, to do is to actually combat um, loneliness or intervene much earlier than what we're already doing at the moment. And there is so much stigma still wrapped up with the idea of loneliness. I, I understand that people are quite unwilling to talk about it. Michelle, I guess one of the things that people notice day to day is that there are so many fewer inter- opportunities to interact with people, whether that's at the checkout or at the bank or at the library. A lot of the things we used to talk to people for are now automated. Is that a problem? Is that something that perhaps even government might need to step in and, and regulate? Yeah, look, I think that the way we build our environment is really critical to how we actually function and, and live in the world. So I think it's it's really about having this perspective that, it, you know, while we might be cutting some costs here, actually, we might be still paying for the cost of loneliness um, down the track, especially in terms of the impact to our health and well-being. You know, uh, we, we do know, for example, you know, loneliness is costly to, to our economy, you know, around $2.7 billion. But, you know, we might be 
be saving on productivity or might be saving, you know, little costs here and there for businesses. But in the long run, I think our society still pays because we do know loneliness has that massive impact on our health and well-being, increased, um, you know, uh, earlier death of uh, mortality, you know, other sorts of diseases and poor well-being. So we're paying the cost somewhere. Yes, and when it comes to cost, I guess that's the key issue, how how we quantify the cost and how we define the cost. Michelle Lim, if we're going to tackle the, the growing issue of loneliness, do we perhaps need businesses to sign up to, you know, that triple bottom line idea in a, in a more formal way? You know, people, planet, profit, do they need to commit to the people part of that equation when it comes to loneliness? Yeah, absolutely. And this is part of the, the, the social responsibility back to the community. Um, you know, what might be good for business is not necessarily good for people in, in general. And the way we actually deliver our services might not be consistent with what human nature is. You know, the, the reason why we're reporting high, you know, high levels of loneliness is because we don't have those opportunities to actually have that meaningful social connection, whether it's kind of having those casual chats all the way down to the way we develop uh, and maintain a meaningful social connection throughout our lives. So I think it's this kind of, you know, using this sort of socio-ecological kind of model where, you know, individuals have a role to play, our networks have a role to play, our businesses um, as well has, has a role to play, you and all of us can kind of do something and kind of think about what that looks like uh, for Australia. Like what kind of Australia? What kind of Australia do we want? 10, 20 years down the line, do we want a society that's you know socially connected, or uh, you know having profits but not actually, but very much socially disconnected? So making those decisions now is really important. Yeah, text came in saying it's hardly the government's job to tackle loneliness. Communities and individuals must take responsibility. So there you go. Maybe pop the headphones off, look up from the phone and respond if someone strikes up a conversation with you. Dr. Michelle Lim, Dr. Louise Grimmer, thank you both so much for your time on Life Matters today. Dr. Michelle Lim is the Scientific Chair of Ending Loneliness Together. And Dr. Louise Grimmer is a Senior Lecturer in Retail Marketing at the University of Tasmania. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.